Well, good morning again. So, so, so we're in our final week of, of this series, Rethink Religion, and it's a series that has really made me check myself. It's really made me think about, about what I look at, how I do religion, how I talk religion, uh, everything about it. It's really made me kind of check myself to see what I'm actually doing. Because unfortunately in life, we generally get caught up worrying about me, myself, and I, instead of worrying about everything else. And, and one of the things we've been looking at through this series is what pure religion really is. What is pure religion compared to what we've made it? You know, like the last song, we're going back to the heart of worship, and it's all about him. But how many times have we made our religion about us? Where we've looked at the inside and we've looked at our own personal preferences instead of looking at what he wants us to do. And we'll get so caught up on tradition, or we'll get so caught up as this is the way we've always done it instead of doing what he calls us to do. Now, as we've spent the time here the first two weeks, we actually looked at what pure religion is. And as we looked at what pure religion is, we saw it's about two things. You know, it's Jesus in his word primarily, but it's coming down to believing his word, believing what it says, all of it, not just the parts we want to believe, but believing all of his word. And the second part, obeying it. You know, and I think that's where most of us fall into the problem. It's we know what his word says, but it's that obey part. It's, oh, you mean I actually got to do this stuff? I thought I could just say it and, and, and recite this scripture and people would think I'm this Christian holier than now. You mean I actually got to do what it says? Because that's where we fall short. We fall short in that whole doing and obeying what God's word said. And, and then as we continue to look at this, we saw that pure religion was about serving God and others with humility. That, that we seek God with our whole heart and that we seek to help others and, and understand it's not about any of us. It's all about them. And, and last week we looked at worship. And we come in here, and a lot of people may think worship as just the music. Well, worship is a every moment you're awake thing. It's not just an hour and 15 minutes on Sunday. Worship should be a part of our life, and it should be a focus on a party of one. Our worship is for one person and one person only, and that's for him. It is for him. It's not for us. It's not... You know, it's not a style of worship. Oh, well, I like traditional. I like contemporary. Well, them are styles. And styles don't matter. It's about where the heart is. And it's about having that heart and that we're taking that time seeking only him. Not seeking anything for ourselves. And ultimately for us as Christ followers, everything we should do should flow from our heart. And it should be with love and with grace. Because each one of us have received love and grace from our, from our Father in heaven. We should give that to others. Instead of what we generally give to others. Because Lord knows we all have bad days. Sometimes we all have this religion, it's about me. 
You know, y'all know that religion, right? It's about me, myself, and I. Because I'm the most important three people in my life. You mean to tell me none of you guys got them same three important people, me, myself, and I? And, and unfortunately, if your religion has a me mentality to it, you really need to rethink your religion. You really need to rethink what you're doing or what you're doing it for. And, and ultimately, you need to understand that our faith, our faith must be based on a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It starts there. However, it doesn't mean we can do it alone. This isn't an individual kind of sport. You know, following Jesus is a personal relationship, and you got to have that personal relationship. But to continue to move on, you can't do it alone. You need others to be involved with you. And understand that pure religion takes place in, authentic, in an authentic community of believers. We are better together than we are alone. And that's actually what we're going to look at today. We're going to dig in and look at what it means to be in a community. What it means to be in the right community. So if you have your Bible, we're going to be in Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible with you, there is one in the back of the pew in front of you. Or as always, it will be up here on the screen. And with that being said, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 7 through 12. And they say this. Again, I saw futility under the sun. There is a person without a companion, without even a son or brother. And though there is no end to all his struggles, his eyes are still not content with riches. Who am I struggling for, he asks, and depriving myself of good things. This too is futile and a miserable task. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their efforts. For if either falls, his companion can lift him up, but pity the one who falls without another to lift him up. Also, if two lie down together, they keep warm, but how can one person keep warm? And if someone overpowers one person, two can resist. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. So, Heavenly Father, as we dig into your word today and we look at what community is, Lord, may we truly understand what a community of believers is, and what we should do. And Lord, may my words be your words, and may your name be glorified. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. So the book of Ecclesiastes is a reflection from Solomon. He's getting older in age, and he's reflecting back on people's lives and the lives of the people around him. And as he reflects on it, he kind of discovers that that people pursue many things of value and no meaning. You know, you look around you today, how many people want more stuff and they don't use the stuff they have? You know, keeping up with the Joneses and the Joneses have maxed out their credit cards and they're just trying to get you to do the same thing. You know, and, and we try and live off of all these different things in our life that have no meaning or value to us. And what Solomon's looking here is as he's journeying to the end of his life, he's looking back and he's realizing how many things were meaningless. How many things in his life, how many things in our life are just meaningless? And he's taking the time to write to the younger generation to let them know from his wisdom what we need to chase and what we need to go after. And he ultimately concludes the entire book with that our lives 
should be lived with Christ as the meaning. With Christ as the meaning inside our lives, and, and anything else doesn't have any merit or any value with it. And today, that's what we're going to look at as we dig into Ecclesiastes, what Solomon's actually looking at, what he's saying we should look for in our life. And, and I think as you kind of read this, you know, math has changed over the years. You know, the way we did math growing up to the way they do math nowadays, I totally don't understand it, and I don't know how they get the answers they get. And I'm like, I could have done that in like half the time in my head. And, but today I think we're going to learn a new math, and this is King Solomon's math. And it starts out very simple that one plus zero is actually zero. Think about this. One plus zero is actually zero because when you look at this in, in verse 7 and 8, it says, again, I saw futility under the sun. There's a person without a companion, without even a son or brother. So one plus zero is zero because if you're only one, you're going to be isolated. And you're not going to be really worth anything to anyone. And you're probably not going to be worth anything to yourself, so it's going to be nothing. It's going to be futile for you to live this life because of isolation. And unfortunately, you look at social isolation. In the U.S. today, social isolation is growing more and more. And as much as I hate to say it, there are people who join us for church online for the simple fact they don't want to come into a church. It's better to be home sitting in my pajamas than coming into a church. Now, I do admit it'd be pretty good. I wish I could stay at home on a Sunday morning and just keep my pajamas on and sit down and watch church, but I got to kind of be here to do it unless we record it during the week and then I can hang out at home. But so many people in this world are isolating themselves and it just continues to get worse and worse. And actually, the Washington Post actually said this. It said, Americans are far more socially isolated today than they were two decades ago. And a sharply growing number of people say they have no one in whom they can confide. According to a comprehensive new evaluation on the decline of social ties in the United States, overall the number of people Americans have in their closest circle of confidants has dropped from three to about two. Now think about this. This means we've taken no one to confide in. When, when something's going wrong, we've got no one there with us. We're, we're reducing the amount of people we allow into our inner circle. It's kind of like we'll let them in our front yard, but not inside the house. And, and we're sitting there and we're starting to isolate more and more. Oh, and by the way, that article was pre-COVID. So we know COVID has made self-isolation even worse. And even now that we're getting past it, you still have people who will continue to self-isolate themselves. And here we see Solomon saying, it's not good. It's not good to be alone. You need to have people around you. And unfortunately, too many people are, are looking at these relationships and saying, you know, well, I don't want a relationship because I might get hurt. Oh, they can't know about my business. Oh, wait, I, I need to keep this away from everybody. And we have actually turned to things that make no sense. We have 200,000 followers on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, and we absolutely know nobody. But yet we'll say we have all these friends who, guess what, see only your best side. Because you take that picture and then you run a filter across it. 
So it's really not the real you. And we put on this persona that everything is going well and everything is going good. Meanwhile, we're self-isolating and we're sitting inside our house just trying to stay away so we don't get hurt. Man, people are mean. If I tell someone I'm not doing well, they're probably going to take advantage of me. Because you're in the wrong community. You've got the wrong people around you. And you need to really look at being one person alone, that isolation is not going to help you at all. Understand that natural reaction to retreat. It is natural. All of us do it. When things aren't going right, we want to retreat and be by ourselves. Leave me alone. I'm thinking. Oh, I just got to get my thoughts together. Let me just self-isolate even more. And the more that we self-isolate, the easier it is for us just to push other people away. And we'll do this with family. We'll do it with loved ones. Ultimately, we got to understand that we got to allow people to come inside and instead of protecting ourselves, understand that we are better together. Now, some of you may not know this next person, but that great theologian, Paul Simon. Y'all know Paul Simon, right? That great theologian from Simon and Garfunkel. Okay, all of, all of us old people, just shake your head yes. All the young people go, I have no idea who you're talking about. But he actually put these emotions into his song. His song's called I Am a Rock. And I'm not going to sing it because I can't sing, but I will read, <laughs> read it. It says, I built walls, a fortress deep and mighty that none may penetrate. I have no need for friendship. Friendships cause pain. It's laughter and it's loving. I disdain. I am a rock. I am an island. A rock feels no pain. And an island never cries. And you know, he's absolutely right. Because a rock will never feel pain. An island will never cry. But you know what else they'll never do? They'll never love. They'll never feel happiness. They'll never have joy. They'll never have that companionship with someone else in their life who is there to pick them up when things aren't going right. Yeah, they'll never have pain. But they're never going to have joy. And every one of us knows that anyone going through that type of lifestyle is headed to death. You're headed to death. If all you want is that pain, all you want is that suffering, all you want to do is self-isolate and be alone, you're headed towards death. I want you to understand, loneliness is that warning light in us that tells us something's wrong. Just like the warning light comes on in your car, and you may leave it in your car forever until it burns out and then say you don't see it anymore. But that's that warning light in our life, and we can't let that loneliness burn us out to the point of to death. So when that warning light comes on, it's telling us we need that fuel, and we need that fuel of community. We need that, that fuel of being together because we are better together, because we can do so much more together than we can apart. And ultimately understand, after you've done all this isolation of yourself, the next thing you're going to do is you're going to get exhausted. You're going to run into this exhaustion. And even in Ecclesiastes verse 8, it says, there is no end to all his struggles. Show of hands. How many people just want to do nothing but struggle every day? I didn't think so. How many people want to be lonely every day? Well, sometimes, maybe not every day, every other day is fine. 
But understand that loneliness is going to lead to struggles and, and it's just going to make it worse and worse. And, and understand the heart of Christian development or the heart of discipleship is someone who has something to learn and someone who has something to share. That's what we're here to do. Someone's here to learn what you know. And guess what? You're here to learn what someone else knows. And it's that time of sharing, that time of coming together that you're able to do more and more together. And, and that whole concept of a relationship brings a synergy that you're able to do more. <coughs> because you can do more together. Think about it like this. If you had two horses together pulling, two horses can pull about 9,000 pounds. So now if you say, okay, well, if two can pull 9,000 pounds, let's put four horses together, and we should be able to pull 18. Well, actually, it's much more than that. Two horses will pull 9,000 pounds. If you put four horses together, they can pull 30,000 pounds because there's that synergy that comes together from working together. And they're able to do that much more work, and you've got to understand that when we do it alone, you're going to suffer from that exhaustion. You're going to try and do all of this stuff yourself, and it's going to affect you not only physically, but spiritually. It's going to affect your spiritual growth. You're not going to be wondering, why did I not feel the presence of God? How come all this is happening to me? And you're going to not only have this isolation and this frustration, or this, you're going to end up with frustration when it's said and done. You're going to be exhausted. You're going to be tired. Man, I'm tired of doing this alone. How many people are tired of doing stuff alone? How many people get frustrated each and every day? Frustrated with people out there on the road. Frustrated with people in your own life. Frustrated with family members. All right, don't raise your hand if your family member's sitting next to you. All right, because then all of a sudden you're going to say, Pastor, we need counseling. I'll counsel you over a hamburger and a hot dog when we're done here. But, but verse, look at what verse 8, it goes on and says, There is no end to all his struggles. His eyes are still not content with riches. Who am I struggling for, he asks, and depriving myself of good things. This too is futile and a miserable task. As, as we continue and, and you look through this, you, you wonder... How can someone go through this? How can someone continue to go through this and, and just not look for something better? I don't want to be frustrated every day. I don't want to be alone every day. I don't want to have struggles in my life every day. C.S. Lewis says we all have this inconsolable longing. We, we all have this longing that goes with it. And he actually wrote this, which gives us both the answer and the question at the same time. He said, if I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. He also went on to say this, our lifelong nostalgia of longing to be reunited with something in the universe from which we now feel cut off to be on the inside of some door which we have always seen from the outside is no mere neurotic fancy, but the truest index of a real situation. 
Each one of us has a longing put inside of us. There is a longing that is deep inside of us, and drugs, sex, work, things will never fill it. We'll never, ever fill that longing that's inside of us. And as we continue to, to try to fill it with all of these things, we're just going to end up frustrated. We're going to have this frustration that goes with us. And understand, there are too many people on the outside looking at the door, wondering what it's like on the other side. Wishing to be on the inside, saying, man, if, if I could only get to the other side. And maybe if I got to the other side of this door, I wouldn't be so frustrated. Well, maybe I wouldn't be so helpless. Well, maybe my life would be so much better if I can just get to the other side of this door. Because we all have that longing for this door that's in front of us that we've been looking at, and we wonder what's on the other side. What is on the other side? And understand, that connection that you long for that's on the other side of that door is a relationship with Jesus Christ and a relationship with other believers in a community. Because that's that longing that each one of us have. From the very beginning, God said it's not right for man to be alone. We were built to be in a community. We were built to be with other people. And we were built to have this relationship with Jesus. And, and as we go through this, and remember, you're, we're talking about these people who live in this isolation, that, that deal with this frustration and this exhaustion. But I think if we actually have this authentic relationship and God-centered relationships with others, I think what we'll find is that we end up being more productive. We have provisions. And we also end up with protection. So we can... And you can actually see it in these verses. Verse 9 says, two are better than one. <clears throat> two are better than one, that makes pretty much sense, right? Yeah, well, two people should be better than one. But I think two is better than one if they actually work together. If they're actually going for that same common goal, if they're actually striving to do the same thing. Because like I said earlier, life is a team sport. Guess what? Christianity is a team sport. Christianity is not something that we do alone, and a healthy Christian life can't be lived without partnering with a small group of believers. You've got to be with someone else in your life to continue to grow. And more of that math. One plus one is actually greater than two. One plus one is greater than two, and here's why. Because you get a better production. You get a better production for what you do. Verse 9 said... Two are better than one because they have a great reward for their efforts. So you see they have production here. And in his book, um, The Wealth of Nations, Adam Smith actually wrote this. He said, people working individually, 10 people working individually, can produce 20 pins in a day. However, 10 people working together can produce 48,000 pins in a day. The difference between working alone and working together is that big. And too many times we want to do it individually. We want to do it ourselves. And, and even as you go through this life, ask a married couple who's had problems if Christian counseling wasn't good for them. Because we know it is. Ask someone who plays the sport if a coach or a trainer isn't worth having in their life. Because a coach and a trainer are worth having. 
A businessman's going to talk about the power of a team. And let me tell you, an addict is going to talk to you about the power of a recovery group because you're better together. You're better when you come together than when you self-isolate. An addict self-isolating isn't a good thing. If you're playing a sport and you don't want to listen to your coach or listen to your trainer, how well are you going to do in that sport? Probably not very well. How well is a businessman going to do if they don't create a team of people to do their business? It's not going to do well. It's all coming together and going towards the right direction, and I think that's what makes it so big. If, if we do life together and we look to the support of others inside of our community, we can do so much worth difference in this world. We can make a difference and make this world a better place to live. Too many people in this world are self-isolating so they're not worried about what the world looks like. It's only what it looks like to themselves. That back to that me, myself, and I. I'm good, and man, I got all these followers on Facebook. Man, I got 20,000 people saw the reel I posted on Instagram. It wasn't really me. It wasn't really my life. But man, it made me feel good for a minute, maybe two. You need to come together, have that time to come together, and understand that we have this synergy that comes with us when we come together and we accomplish so much more. So through that synergy and through that production, that's where one plus one is greater than two. Now, for you guys still in school, don't try and put answers like this on your test because you're going to fail. All right? I, I, see, I see my boy Angel back there taking notes. Pastor said one plus one is greater than two. <laughs> All right? Verses 10 and 11 go on and it says, For if either falls, his companion can lift him up, but I pity the one who falls without another to lift him up. Also, if two lie down together, they can keep warm, but how can one person keep warm? So understand when, when spiritual, physical, or emotional needs arise, the loner's going to be alone. They're going to have no one to go through, and they're going to have this isolation. They're going to have this frustration and exhaustion. But think, if you've got someone in your life with you that you're doing life with, you're going to experience provision through this. You're going to have the provision. And, you know, it always made me think whenever I read these verses of, of that really bad commercial where the, where the old lady falls out of bed or she's laying at the bottom of the steps and, and she's there for a couple days and, you know, she's like, oh, I'm falling and I can't get up. You know, part of me is sitting there saying, well, if she was laying there for two days, why didn't the cameraman help her? You know, and I understand it's a commercial. And it actually got so bad, and my son will tell you, we used to pick on my mom and tell her we were going to get her one of them buttons to put around her neck. I've fallen, but I can't get up. And then every time we went to see her and give her a hug, we were going to push the button so that emergency people would come. But, but understand, as funny as that may be, it, it's the truth. How can one do it themselves? You take someone who's had a stroke who falls on their left side and they got no strength on their left side, they're going to be there for a little while. Two are better than one. You're able to help each other. You're able to lift each other up. If something's going bad in your life, you need someone in your life who's going to lift you up who's going to be there to help you and to guide you through it all. 
We also see that through here we get protection, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. Now think about that. Two can defend themselves. <clears throat> so when sin, or when Satan, or even yourself start attacking you, and yes, yourself, we attack ourselves from time to time. But now when all these attacks start happening to you, if you're isolated, who's going to defend you? Who's going to defend you against your own self-attacks? But yet if you have a friend, a family member, you have someone in your group who's going to be there with you, they're going to help you through it. As, as Satan's attacking, sin's attacking in your life, or, or even you're attacking yourself, your friend is going to be there to give you those words and empower you to do better. They're going to be there to help empower you to continue going on, which takes us to more Solomon's math. Three is greater than one plus one plus one. Three is greater than one plus one plus one. Think about it this way. Connection is made more difficult in this life. Think about it. In the world today, how busy are you? We're busy, right? We get off of work, then we got to go to football practice or soccer practice, get kids to piano lessons, go grocery shopping, all to get home, throw something in the microwave, heat it up, and then eat it. And then after we do that, what do we do? We either sit back in our recliner and put our feet up and we turn on the TV and just get lost and memorized in what's going on. Or in my case, I turn on my Xbox and then I put on my noise-canceling headphones. So even if Patty said something to me, I can't hear her anyways. You know, and we, we go into this self-isolation phase because that's what the world tells us we should do. Oh, you've had a bad day. You need to figure it out and don't take it home. And don't, don't get on your wife or your husband about the bad day you had. Just self-isolate. And it really doesn't help the relationship any at all. Because you're better together. You're better when you can take that time and dialogue daily with each other, even when it's not good. Sometimes the conversation between husband and wife or anything else aren't always easy conversations. But you're required to have them each and every day. Take those time, have those conversations with others, because they're going to be the ones to be there to pick you up. I mean, in this life that we live today, you don't know your neighbors. Because the last thing you want, man, I don't know, I don't know my neighbors. They're kind of crazy over there on this side of my house. And, and these people, I know they ain't Christians. They're a bunch of heathens on this side. I don't want to know them either. And plus, my life is so busy, I'd never have time to do anything with them anyways, right? And, and it's so easy to be able to say this. And then on top of it, most of our family members live halfway across the, the country, you know, oh, it's good to be nice to be able to travel and go see family members. Oh, but wait, I, I used up all my vacation time when I didn't feel like going to work. Or I used up all my vacation time to, to do something else. And unfortunately, you think about it at night, what do we all do? We go in our house, our castles, and we pull up the drawbridge so that no one can come in. And we self-isolate in our own little worlds because it's so easy, right? It's so easy to just be all about, I just want to be happy and I don't want to deal with people. But when you put it all together, you can understand why so many people are isolated and so many people feel alone. 
And I actually like what Chuck Swindell said. He made this observation. The neighborhood bar is possibly the best counterfeit that there is to the fellowship Christ wants us to give his church. It's an imitation dispensing liquor instead of grace, escape rather than reality, but it is permissive, accepted, and inclusive fellowship. It's not unshockable. It is democratic. You can tell people secrets, and they'll usually don't tell others or even want to. The bar flourishes not because most people are alcoholics, but because God has put into the human heart the desire to know and be known, to love and to be loved, and so many seek a counterfeit at the price of a few beers. Think about it. Everyone knows my name. Y'all remember that cheers, right? Everyone knows your name. Go into a local bar, you can tell them whatever you want. Because ain't no one going to talk about it the next day anyways. No one's going to hear about it, no one's going to know about it, and you can live this life that is so fake and not really who you are. And unfortunately, with American individualism, a lot of people take that for church also. They say, oh, well, I'm a Christian. It's this personal relationship with Jesus. That's what it's about. So I don't need to go to church. I don't need to attend church. I can watch online. I can sit home and I can watch the best preachers in the world in my pajamas. But you don't get the community of the people sitting next to you. You don't get the community of the people who are going to be there to build you up, who are going to be there to pray for you and be by your side. And guess what? Tell you when you're doing something wrong. And I think that's where the biggest part comes in because the last thing we want to do when we're in this life and we're failing and we're sinning and we're not doing what we should be doing in God's word is for someone to come up and point it out to us. Hey, Brother Mike, man, you know you shouldn't be doing that. Brother John, why are you preaching this, but you're doing this? Why are you being like this in church, but you're being like this in your life? It takes that time of community together. I got a group of men I meet with every Monday night. Every Monday night, I meet with the same group of men, and we hold each other accountable for how we lived our life during the week. Because we are better together. We talk about our piety. We talk about our study. We talk about our walk with Jesus each and every Monday night. And I look forward to it each week. It's that chance to be with other brothers in Christ that I know are going to hold me accountable. And if I am failing... They're going to be the first ones, yo, hey, I know you're the pastor and all, but you're not doing this, dude. You're opening the door for sin and Satan to come into your life because you're not doing what God's word calls you to do. Make sure you have a community of people around you that you can meet with that will hold you up and understand it's non-negotiable. Get with a group of people. John Wesley actually said this. Christianity is not a religion for solitude and solitary. The Bible knows nothing about solitary religion. The Bible never talks about 
being solitary. So I think we as, as believers, as we seek this authentic, what our religion is, because yes, Christianity is a, is a religion. It happens to be based on a personal relationship with Jesus, but it still is a religion because we have things that we follow. So anyone who tells you Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship, needs to look up what the definition of religion is. But at the same time, we need to rethink our religion, rethink what we do, and understand that, yes, our faith is based off of a relationship with Jesus. But it's not something for us to do alone. We don't go through this life of Christianity alone. We, we've got to continue to go through it and bring people around us and have that authentic community because pure religion takes place in authentic community. Get some people around you. Yeah, we, we got new people in the house today. We got people I've never seen before. We got people I see maybe three or four times a year. We got CEOs, Christmas and Easter onlys. It's amazing what food will do, right? Man, you offer some food, people are like, man, I'm coming. And it's funny because I've gone long today too. I'm seeing people like, Come on, Pastor Ken. Ain't we getting out there to the food? Yeah, we're going to get out there to the food. But, but there's something that, that uh, I'm, I'm going to say it, and it's so funny because there are people who are here every week that cringe whenever I say this. Cringe whenever I say this. Hey, I am glad you're here. And I hope, first and foremost, that you have a relationship with Jesus. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, we, we can fix that today. But what I want to encourage you more than anything, if you have that relationship with Jesus and, and you've been doing this isolation thing, get connected to a local body of Christ. Get connected to a local body of Christ where you can work on your relationship with Jesus and with others. And here's the part that makes people cringe. It don't need to be here. It don't need to be here. I am not here to fill pews, and we're not in the filling pew business. We're in the business of filling the kingdom of heaven. It's not about anyone in here inside a pew. It's about filling up heaven. And I want people to be where God calls them to be. That's what my prayer always is. Hey, we would love for you to join us here. If you're not connected to a local body of Christ, hey, come on in, join us. Man, you're going to find out we're just as messed up as you are. You're going to find out that our life isn't perfect. We ain't got it all together. Guess what? Welcome to the family. Because that's how we are. But get connected to a local body of Christ someplace. And like I said, it don't have to be here. And I know some people may be sitting there, what kind of preaching is that? Pastor said, I don't need to come back to his church. No, you don't. But go to church someplace. Get involved in a community of believers where God wants you to be, where he can use you. Where he can use you. That's what matters. And then work on filling up his kingdom. Make sure all of your family members, make sure your neighbors, make sure everyone you know knows about your Jesus and becomes a follower of Jesus because that fills the kingdom of heaven. These four walls mean nothing. These pews mean nothing. Our focus should be on Jesus and others. 
That's where our life should be focused. And I know people cringe whenever I say that. But it's the truth. We're in the kingdom business, not the church business. That's what we're about. And I want to let you know, if you are here and you've never accepted Jesus, so you're sitting here saying, hey, pastor, man, I'm that isolated person because I don't know who Jesus is. And, and pastor, you don't know, man, my life is messed up. Man, I'm half drunk today. I'm still hungover, pastor. I'm still a little bit loopy from these drugs I've been taking. Man, I've been living in sin. I'm living with my girlfriend or my boyfriend and we're not married. He's never going to accept me. Man, he ain't going to accept me. I'm messed up. But I want to let you know that you're in the right place. Because God's word says we're all sinners and we all fall short of glory of God. So everyone in this room's a sinner. So you look to your left or the right, guess what? They're a sinner too. Now their sin may be a little different than yours, but everyone here is a sinner to include me. I fall short of the glory of God each and every day. But yet God loved us so much that he sent his son on the cross to die for our sins. And it says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's where it starts. It starts with accepting Jesus into your life, making him the Lord and Savior of your life, and deciding today's the day I want to change. Now, when you leave here today, your family, your friends, and everything, they're going to be the same. Whatever y'all did last night, they're still going to be doing tonight. The difference is going to be you and what you do with your life and what you do with what God calls you to do with your life. And then as they see that change in you and they see that all of a sudden, hey, you're getting involved in communities and you're reading God's word and, and you're starting to focus on what's right in this world, you can then be the change that you want to see in this world. Because you can then tell your friends and your family about Jesus, about your Jesus and what he's done in your life. Because there's no one in here who doesn't have a testimony. And through that testimony, we've had a test. That test is what makes our testimony. And every one of us is different. Every one of us has come to Jesus in a different way. Some of us were truly rock bottom, had nothing left in our life, and had to look up and say, Lord, help me. Some of us were raised in church, been in church our whole life, and accepted Jesus and moved on and think we have no bad... Yeah, I don't have a testimony like that. Let me tell you, if you accepted Jesus as a young kid and you're still following Jesus today, that's a testimony. Do you know how many people walk away? They walk away from the church, they walk away from religion, and they walk away from it because people think it's about them instead of being about him. Today is the day of salvation. If you don't know Jesus, I encourage you at the end of this service. If you don't know Jesus, I'll be up to the side. Come up here. We'll talk about it. We'll pray about it. And we will welcome you to our messed up, jacked up family. Because we are messed up and we are jacked up. We are. So you'll fit right in. Or maybe you're here today and you haven't been coming to church. You've been one of them isolated Christians. And we all know an isolated Christian is a dying Christian that... You need to get involved in community. So maybe today's the day you come up here and you say, Lord, 
I need you. I need your community in my life. I need you to bring people into my life that will help me to change and and be better than who I am today. And I want to encourage you, you can come up to this altar during this final worship song and leave it right here with God. Take that time here at the altar, give it to him, and step back and stop isolating. Be who he called you to be, amen? So Heavenly Father, we come to you this this morning, Lord, and we thank you. We thank you for everything you continue to do in our lives. We thank you for family, friends. We thank you for your community. Lord, help us to stop self-isolating and help us to seek you. And yes, it is about a personal relationship, Lord, but we can't do this alone. In order to grow in our faith and, and grow in our lives, we need other people in our lives. So, Lord, if there's anyone here who doesn't know you, may they make that move today and accept you as their personal Lord and Savior. And, Lord, if there's anyone here who's been doing that whole self-isolation and, and, and not attending or not having fellowship with others, Lord, have them make that move today to not only seek you, but seek to have a relationship with others. And if there's someone here who's not connected to a local church, Lord, show them where you want them to be. Where you want them to be. And Lord, that you will move inside of each one of us. And make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks again for joining us here today at FBC Lantana for Church Online. And and, and if if you enjoyed what you saw today, I'd just like to ask you to go ahead, go to our website and, and help support this ministry as we try and outreach and reach the lost for Jesus Christ. And you can just go to our website, fbclantana.com slash give, um, and you can make an online donation right there. Again, I encourage you to get connected to a local church, and especially if during this message you felt compelled to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, definitely go tell somebody. Let someone know because that is the greatest decision you could ever make in your life. And and from there, get connected to a local church. Hey, we would love to provide you with some resources with that. You can go to our website, fbclantana.com, and on the very front page, you say, Give My Life to Jesus. Click on there, and at the bottom of there, there's some links and some good information for you. And just wanted to say, welcome to the family.